You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, audacious, auspicious auditory audience and aubergines. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 70, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your motley mess of mind-melting and mystifying misfits. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. No Chris this week. He is in Seattle at the Seattle, I believe, Retro Gaming Expo. I think that's right. Yes. Uh, spreading his knowledge of old video games and his wares. Yes. Yeah. Peddling his wares yes, like, a, <laughs> like a merchant. merchant. So this is episode 70, and I know longtime listeners, you guys are probably expecting uh, this episode to be an all quiz every fifth episode. We do have an all quiz. But since Chris is not here uh, this week, we thought we'd push that to next week so that all four of us can come up with quiz segments and quizzing each other because that's kind of the spirit of things. Yeah, it'll be all yeah. quizier. Then without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. It's just you guys against each other, Dana yeah, that's versus right. Colin. Head, heads up. Face off. Take your face off, Colin. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> all right, here we go. Blue Wedge for Geography, what meteorological event happens more in the Democratic Republic of the Congo than anywhere else in the world? Huh. Democratic Republic of the Congo? I mean, it seems like it's not going to be a hurricane. It's, um, it's almost smack in the middle of the continent, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not on the coast. I don't. I, I give up. I don't think you... I, I couldn't even logic it out. What There's no it? explanation either. The I'll, answer I'll, I'll just I'll guess just for the sake of guessing. Rain. Hail. I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. the worst guess. It is lightning. Huh. Oh, interesting. Okay. No explanation. I, yeah, I kind of want to look this up. Hmm. I wonder why. More lightning than anywhere else anywhere in the world. Anywhere else in the world. All right. Pink Wedge Pop Culture. What movie gave its title to a hit by the band Deep Blue Something? Oh. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes. Yellow Wedge. What queen reportedly had herself rolled up in a rug and given as a gift to Julius Caesar? <laughs> Cleopatra? Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, oh. he's like, oh, that rug will look great over there. And then just like a lady I'm comes sorry. out. <laughs> <laughs> One of those birthday cakes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's not very like, graceful. You have to unroll. <laughs> so random. All right. Purple Wedge. Who wrote the trilogy His Dark Materials? Dana. Oh, you can do it. You can do it. I do know it. It is um, Philip. Yes. Uh, Raw? No. No. Also starts with a P. Pullman. Yes. Yes. Mm. Thank you. Philip Pullman. Pulled that out. Pullman the bit. Right well, I, I guess the more recognizable part of his dark materials is the Golden Compass. Oh. No, who wrote the Golden okay. Compass? Okay. Green wedge for science. A deficiency of what vitamin can lead to night blindness? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Is that D? Incorrect. No. D, you get D from sunshine, though, mm. right? Okay. It's either K or A. It's the carrot one, right? 
It's A. A. Hmm. Vitamin A, known as retinol, is required for normal vision, among other things. So carrots are good for your eyesight. Yeah. Or night vision. I, <laughs> when I learned that, I was a little kid when I learned that, so I was eating like a ton of carrots, and I was hoping I would be able to like... To get night vision? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because if a deficiency causes a problem, then surely if you eat enough, you'll gain a superhuman amount of it. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty logical. Yeah, as a kid, seems, sure. Seems right. I think it just made my pee a weird color. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of orange, last question, Orange Wedge. What MLB, Major League Baseball team, has won the second most World Series championships. Second most. Uh, is it the Cardinals? St. Louis yes. Cardinals? Okay. Yeah. All right. Good job. Yankees, you didn't buzz in. Yankee, oh. Call it. Is it the St. Louis Cardinals? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and number one? I would assume Yankees. Yes. Mm-hmm. So as of 2009, Cardinals have won 10, which is 17 fewer than the New York Yankees. Jeez. Well, good job, Reigns. And so, no all quiz this week, but we do have a very cool topic. And uh, we did, in the past, an episode dedicated to small things, tiny things, wee things, itsy-bitsy stuff. So we thought we'd go the opposite direction and talk about big, Herculean, giant, massive things. So this week, we're talking about big stuff. So, you know, we like to gram things in pub quiz here on the show. People have uh, written oh, in. Oh, sorry. Oh, yes. I Quick interruption. Uh, I shared on Twitter and Facebook some of the hard questions we actually get in pub trivia. I like to yeah. feed it into our social channels. Ah. And what one of the questions we had last week at pub trivia was in the Bible, which book is the first book named after a woman? Right. Yeah. We thought that was a pretty tough question. Like, I didn't really know. <laughs> no. You know. We got it down to Ruth Two. or Esther. Yeah. yeah. Everybody who listens to this podcast or follow us on Twitter or Facebook, they all knew. They're all like, easy, it's Ruth. It's not hard. I was like, oh. oh well, cool. <laughs> I wish you guys were there. Then. <laughs> well, I think it's, uh, that's a, it's, a, it's a good segue, though, into what I was going to say, which is I think that, that's a good example of if you ever just need to study things for pub quiz, studying the periodic table of elements, you can never go wrong. Yep. Studying just the, the books of the Bible. Yeah. studying the Ten Commandments comes up right yeah. right right Bill of Rights lists Bill of Rights yeah lists. what amendment is what or superlatives biggest smallest fastest whatever mm-hmm. so let me ease in here with one that we have definitely sometimes it's treated us kindly sometimes it hasn't uh, the seven wonders of the ancient world oh man you okay. know, this is just pub quiz staple and I think good trivia nerd stuff so the, the Great Pyramids of Giza the Statue of Zeus the Lighthouse of Alexandria the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus the Temple of Artemis the Hanging Gardens of Babylon and one of my all-time favorite seven wonders, the Colossus of Rhodes. Whoa, oh. your favorite, huh? Why? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know because big naked guy. Well, so it's funny. <laughs> that's uh, that's why it's his favorite. Yeah, don't. yeah. I mean, what what's not to like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the mystery that that intrigued me about this. Like, you know, we know we know the least about the Colossus of Rhodes. I mean, oh, really? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, as I think Dana has mentioned in a previous episode, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're all gone except for the pyramids. The pyramids are the only ones that are still standing. There are no contemporary images of any kind of the Colossus of Rhodes. What we know about it is it was tall. Yep. Really, really, really tall. How would you know this? So we have some reliable contemporary accounts describing it. It's a statue uh, depicting Helios, the god of the sun. And mm. we know it was somewhere adjacent uh, to the opening of the harbor in Rhodes. 
So that's about all that we know for certain for certain. Another reason that we don't know a whole lot about it is that it didn't exist very long. It was only up for about 50 years. And then it toppled an earthquake. And then it laid in ruins in Rhodes for a long, long, long time. Oh, no. They didn't save him? They didn't save pieces of him? Well, you know. store a finger or store an eyeball or something. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's safe to assume that looters probably would take pieces that they can carry. But this thing is, it's it's gigantic. I mean, it was, we'll get to some descriptions here in a minute. But so it wasn't something you could kind of just easily pick up pieces and put in your pocket. Let me give you guys a little bit of a description here. This is uh, from the writing of Pliny the Elder. This statue was 70 cubits high. So that's over 100 feet. (laughs) 70 cubits high. (laughs) And 56 years after its erection was overthrown by an earthquake. But even lying on the ground, it is a marvel. Few people can make their arms meet around the thumb of the figure. Whoa. And the fingers are larger than most statues. So it's a gigantic uh, depiction of Helios. Yeah. So imagine. You could hug a finger. You could hug a thumb. Few people, he said, few people could reach their arms all the way around the thumb. Wow. And what What's, what's interesting to me is a lot of the misinformation about it. So do you guys like have a mental image of like what the statue would look like, the the, the Colossus of Rose? I'm thinking of like kind of like David. I'm thinking, you know. yeah, Jolly Green Giant is what I'm imagining yeah, for some reason. I mean, yeah. Are you imagining naked tall yeah, man? Yeah, I'm thinking of a okay. super naked guy. They think, they think that he was most likely nude or semi-nude. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> statues of the gods would have been at the time. Here's but a- don't you sail in? Isn't he at the harbor? So you do you sail in between his knees? All right, that's what I was getting at. That's okay. what I was hoping you were going to say. So I'm going to show you guys a picture here. Uh, there, here's here's a very common, here's a very common historical image of what... Uh, they thought it might have looked like. And what I'm showing uh, the guys here is a picture of Helios standing astride the harbor. One leg on one side of the entrance, one leg on the other with ships sailing below. His legs are so far apart. (laughs) It's like he's ready to do some lunges. Yeah. So, you know, this is a a 16th century (laughs) illustration. It it really puts you in your place. You have to sail up and look up at Helios' junk on your way into the harbor. It's like, hey, Welcome to town. (laughs) This was a common conception of it, you know, that descriptions are, well, he stood astride the harbor, meaning, you know, straddling the harbor. In the the 1800s, a lot of uh, architects and engineers started to really think about, like, well, would this have even been possible, you know, given the technology that they had in 300 BC? Like structural integrity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And most experts really kind of came to the conclusion, like, no, this is is probably not possible. They believe that almost certainly he was standing legs together Mm -hmm. uh, and probably somewhere near the opening to the harbor, not right across. So, I mean, you know, it makes sense when you really think about it. Like, not just technically, they didn't have the technology to build that high with two legs coming across a harbor, but they would have had to close the entrance to the harbor to build it. If this thing had been standing there when it collapsed, it would have completely blocked the harbor. Yeah, you know, which would the water. Have... Or a yeah. lot of the stuff is in the water, yeah. Right. Uh, maybe he was holding, uh, like, a lantern or a torch in one hand, which might have okay. made sense, you know, a marker to the harbor. They, they really right. don't know. So, so Rhodes was a really important city state, all right? It was really mm-hmm. wealthy being a trade city, and it was just in a great location. It was, you know, where the Mediterranean meets the Aegean, and there were a lot of trade routes coming through there, so it was mm-hmm. strategically important. So the downside of being strategically important is you get conquered a lot, because everyone yeah. wants to control oh, you. Yeah, you're a good resource point. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So they were conquered by the Persians, and then they were conquered by Alexander the Great. And after Alexander the Great died, they were getting a little bit tired of just sort of being a pawn, you know? Yeah. So they decided to take a little more action in the hands. And there was a power struggle, you know, like who's going to succeed Alexander the Great? Mm-hmm. So they sided with one guy, 
The other guy got mad. He's like, "Oh, they're going to side with my rival, right? All right, I'm going to take I'm going to take over the city by force." Okay, <laughs> so Demetrius, who was the son of the other guy, was sent to basically siege the city. So Demetrius comes in, sails in, and he, you know, his army was like really legendary for having these just massive war engines and siege towers and and just great ships. And they tried to attack the city, and Rhodes defended itself for a year. Wow. They, they held off the siege <laughs> long enough that Demetrius basically is like, you know what? Forget it. It's not worth yes. the effort. I give up. And they withdrew from the city, but they left all of their equipment there. Or a oh, lot of there. Right. That's so, nice of them. Sweet for a lot of reasons. So yeah. the, the people of Rhodes, they decided, well, we've got a resource here. They took all the military equipment. They sold off a lot of it to raise money. They melted down a lot of the bronze uh, that they would t- in turn use to build a giant statue celebrating this victory. I used to have this image that it was like made of stone, you know, but it's not. It's actually a, it was a, it was a they believe it was primarily constructed by bronze plates scaffolded over a skeleton of iron rods. That sounds like the Statue of Liberty. You were just right on line with what I'm gunning for. It well, does. The same it sounds a lot like the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. It's it's very similar, except substitute copper instead of bronze. More than just superficial connections between the Colossus of Rhodes oh. and the Statue of Liberty. Remember I mentioned earlier that one of the conceptions that maybe he was holding a torch or a lantern. Mm-hmm. Let me show you guys another uh, potential depiction of what the Colossus <laughs> of Rhodes might have looked like. Oh, okay. It's a naked dude with a spiky crown, yes. like the legs sun. together, yes. yeah. and then holding a torch. Holding a torch. Now, this style of figure was not uncommon. It, in fact, was an inspiration for Frederick Bartholdi, who was the sculptor of the original uh, model for okay. the Statue of Liberty, that it was really sort of designed in this tradition of ancient world, you know, Egyptian and Greek colossus style. statue. Right. right, right, right. So visually inspired by that. Structurally, it happened to be built the same way. That's a little bit more of a coincidence. You know, on top of all that, you know, just to drive home the point that these are not just coincidences, the famous poem by Emma Lazarus, which is inscribed on the base of the Statue of Liberty, the title of that poem is The New Colossus. Oh, it's 2.0. Yes. Now let me read the opening two lines. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. So she's contrasting the Statue of Liberty with Clearly, the bronze Colossus of Rhodes, uh, describing the incorrect version, you know, with mm-hmm. limbs astride from land to land. Uh, you know what? Yeah, that one's, that one's stickier. Yeah. I, I, I think that one's funnier yeah. to look at. So for this episode, I really wanted to talk about space, which I think is probably the biggest thing, the most encompassing, biggest, massive thing I can think of. But that's... There's a lot of stuff that's space related. Yeah, I would say space encompasses a A lot. lot. Yeah, (laughs) that could be its own show. It's fair to say that. So I did find something that is very good job brain. Before I tell you guys what that is, do you guys know what Sagittarius B2 is? Heard about it? I'm guessing it's a star somewhere. It Um, is a giant cloud, a mm. molecular cloud, Mm -hmm. gas and dust, located about... 390 light years away from the center of the Milky Way. The weird thing is, what is this cloud like of gas and dust? What does that mean? What's in it? Right. And and we've known that for for a long time. A lot of astronomers and experts, astrobiologists, chemists, they've been trying to find any kind of clue that might signify life in space. Mm-hmm. And this is to a molecular level. So they're looking for like amino acids and, and okay. little things, things that might things suggest Things that might life. be able to make life. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess what's in the cloud. 
Based okay. on based on you saying it was something that Good Job Brain would be into. Okay. Alien farts <laughs> or <laughs> or yes, some kind of poop, some kind of bacterium <laughs> poop. That's my guess. You know, indirectly it is kind of related to uh something we we've, we've mentioned before, but but we'll get there. All right. Um so basically that's what kind of the holy grail of a lot of these scientists are going after is looking for for life particles, amino acids, building blocks and whatnot. Sure. Um sadly there is none of that in Sagittarius B2 because it's just gas and dust. But they did find a substance in this cloud uh, called ethyl formate. Hmm. And it is responsible for the flavor of raspberries. What? Castorium. It's the same chemical that gives raspberry the taste of raspberries. What? I don't From your that. local grocery store. So, like, what does that it's mean? It's in what? the space cloud. It wow. smells like raspberry? Uh... What? In space. So yes, one of our favorite facts from Good Job Brain is castorium. Castorium is a secretion from the nether regions of a beaver. That secretion is used in the world, (laughs) all over the world, to enhance vanilla and raspberry flavoring. And it's crazy that space, or at least parts of space, smells like raspberries. Isn't that weird? That is so... It kind of scares me a little. And speaking of alien farts, I actually found this. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Dana. <laughs> I, I am. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna talk about this, but now that it's out in the open. Um, so on one hand, we have pleasant places in space that smells like pleasant things, like raspberries, and on the other hand, we have some places that smell not so great. Um, particularly, Jupiter's moon Io smells like rotten eggs. Smells uh, like alien farts. Mm, or sulfur. What, sorry, yeah. or what alien farts would smell like. Yeah, it smells yeah. like sulfur. Io is kind of the same size of our moon, mm. but Io has an atmosphere. People are like, well, where's this atmosphere coming from? Mm. On the surface, Io are a lot of volcanoes. And volcanoes, they erupt uh, due to like the gravitational pull because it's so close to Jupiter. It heats up, lava spews out, and it releases all this sulfuric uh, types of gas and just kind of stays as a blanket oh, right. around the moon. Oh, that makes sense. So we're talking about big stuff today. And I have a quiz for you guys called Mr. Big Stuff. Oh. Mm. Mr. Big Stuff. All right, first question. Who sang that song? Who sang Mr. Big Stuff? Oh. Everybody in? Oh, yeah. uh, Gene something. Mm. Knight? Yes. Oh, Gene nice. Knight. In the 1980s, Mr. Big Stuff uh, was used in a cookie commercial. Yes. Oh, wow. Do you remember yeah. which cookie that was for? Colin. Uh, that was Oreo. No. Oh. But what? Double stuff Oreos. Oh. It was no. It was called the Oreo Big Stuff. It was like oh. a supersized one. Right? Yeah. What's yeah. the difference between double stuff and big stuff? It's just called different things. The name. What song by the band Mr. Big hit number one in 1991? Karen. Oh no! I was thinking of more than words, but that's extreme. No. Extreme. It's. I'll be. Is it be with you? To be with you. Okay. Which Bond novel and movie included the villain Mr. Big? 
And oh. he died in this movie, or and probably also in the book, by being thrown out of a boat that Bond exploded and then being eaten by sharks and barracuda. I sharks know. and barracuda. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's Just, yeah. adding I mean, insult to injury. <laughs> Was it Diamonds Are Forever? No. Mm. It's the first one with Roger Moore in it. I know mm. people are screaming at their iPods right oh, now. You know yeah. what? We That is our weakness. Our weakness is James Bond. Like, yeah, we speaking just, of things to study for pub quiz. James, James Bond, Bond comes up. Oh, man. Oh. Karen. Uh, the one with the Carly Simon song. Is it that Was one? It the Spy, Spy Who, Who Loves, Loves Me? No, it's Live and Let Die. Mm. Live and Let Die. All right, last question. The name of Dr. Evil's cat in Austin Powers is named... Ah, <laughs> oh, it's going to come to me. Mr. Squiggles Wiggles. Think about the name of the quiz. Mr. Mr. Bigglesworth? Bigglesworth. Yes, Mr. Bigglesworth. Wow. Yeah. It just came to me in a flash. Yeah, Mr. Bigglesworth. Biggles. Bigglesworth. Yeah. Sharks with laser beams on their heads. Awesome. Good job. So I tackled space. Now I'm going to tackle another big subject, which is uh, the ocean. And I want to start off this segment by reading a little bit from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne, very okay. famous. So when Captain Nemo, the captain of the submarine, took the submarine down to deep into the ocean, the protagonist, Professor Pierre Aronnax, he said, what quiet, what silence, what peace. Unfortunately, nowadays, the ocean is surprisingly, and you don't really think about it, is not a quiet place anymore huh. because of military exercises you have like sonar blasts. You have commercial ships. It's weird to think about it this way, but it, the ocean has a lot of noise now yeah. because of human interference. You're right. It does seem kind of counterintuitive. You imagine yeah, just yeah. fast, like, oh, quiet. Silence. And it's to a point where it's kind of worrisome. The federal government actually right now is completing the first phase of what could become one of the world's largest effort to curb noise pollution. The main reason why is because it's really screwing up with a lot of living things in uh, the ocean. Yeah. So what the government and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, what they're doing is trying to make the world's first largest sound map. Huh. And it's it's visualization of, mm. of ocean noises using color to kind of symbolize sound and what's happening where mm. Um, mm. across the globe. This is a magnificent project. But it's also very disturbing because they're realizing that there's so much noise pollution and a lot of oceanic animals and living creatures rely almost 100% on sound. And this is really screwing things up for them. Sure. So do you guys know what is the largest animal in the world? Is it the blue whale? The blue whale. Right. The, blue whale. Most, the most massive, yeah. The most, yeah. That when, when I say the largest, I mean there's sizes, longest, and area, right. longest. Well, I think I we had talked on, squid a, is... on an earlier episode. There was, yeah, like the weird worms that grew longer than whales. Exactly. But yeah, yeah that's or like, not. If you count fungus, and that would be the kind of the <laughs> right, the greatest mm-hmm. total area. Exactly. So. But when we say biggest or greatest, we usually mean by weight. And mm-hmm. of course, the blue whale is the largest or heaviest animal in the entire world. The top 10 heaviest animals in the world are all whales. They're really? all whales. Whales are one of these animals that, that are being affected by noise pollution because whales and also dolphins, other oceanic mammals, rely 
on sound. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. uh, not sight because the light particles that come in from the sun get scattered. It's not going to be smell because of how fluids move. So they rely on sound. This is super important to their whole like culture and their whole behavior. They have mating sounds. They have you know as well as like navigating by sonar. You know that's how they move. Yeah. So the good news is at least now people are aware of this, and there is a serious effort to curbing noise pollution in the world. And here's something really interesting about whales, especially humpback whales. And this is this is kind of cute. So male humpback whales they sing mating songs or a mating tune. And it's really weird because experts are now discovering that the pattern of the song changes. Sometimes they'll adopt or change a new version of the song. And they keep doing this. And it's like as if it's a pop song, as if there's a a song that's trending. (laughs) All the male whales would start singing that. It went viral. And sometimes one pod will introduce a tune to another pod. And it's just like, it's their radio. It's their top 40 songs. This made me think of, I don't know if you guys remember, but I think a year ago, some person released Justin Bieber songs slowed down to like like 800 times or something. (laughs) It's super slowed down. And when you play it, it sounds like whales. It's like super slow, super low. So in 2004, Mm -hmm. the New York Times had a a very eye-opening article about a certain discovery, a certain whale discovery. And this whale, we don't know if it's a girl or a boy yet, but let's, for the purpose, I'm just going to call him a boy, like a him. And his name is 52 Hertz. That's his name. What happened was whale biologists and um, other experts started tracking and noticed in 1992 that there was a weird sound. So so most whales, for context, they create sounds between 15 to 20 hertz. Okay. Which already is incredibly, incredibly deep and low. Now, 52 hertz is called 52 hertz because that is the sound it's making huh. is at 52. Oh. So this one whale is creating a sound that other whales cannot hear. So hmm. they don't even know he's there. <laughs> so there are a lot of theories why there's this one weirdo whale making this sound. And one of the theories is that it could be deformed or malformed. It could be a rare hybrid between different species of whale. And it's just this one, this one poor whale Mm -hmm. who's singing and making sounds and nobody can hear him. Isn't that sad? That's That's so sad. Yeah. It's like he's uh, sending out messages and no one even knows he's sending them. Nope. And there's no, there's no photographic evidence or any visual evidence. Did they like follow the sound back to this specific whale? And they've been tracking, like, it seems like he's pretty healthy because he's swimming around, but we don't know if he has any friends because all his whale buddies can't hear him and can't (laughs) communicate with him. And this story in New York Times have captured like the hearts of so many people. There's even a documentary that's going to be released this year it's called 52 the search for the loneliest whale in the world and here let me play a clip of the whale noise and this is sped up a lot so that we can hear it and so that you dear listener can hear it through your radio or through your ipod (laughs) 
absolutely lyrical. <laughs> I know. I yeah. think the title of the movie should be 52 Hertz, H-U-R-T-S. Uh-huh. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> but it, it's so weird thinking about this whale, 52 Hertz, being one of the largest types of animal in the entire world, yet is invisible. Yeah, that is amazing, Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Once again, we're on the same wavelength. I think we both had whales on the mind. It's the um, biggest animal. Yeah, I mean, you think it's big, huge. you go right to whales. Yeah, I've never seen one. Huh. I don't think. I don't think a lot of people have seen one like close up, face to face. Maybe oh, yeah. the, the closest thing is like Shamu. Right. So sometime last year, I was flipping through the channels and I was going through the uh, TiVo on-screen guide, and the title of a program caught my eye. And I was flipping through, and the title of the program is. The whale that exploded. <laughs> and All right, I would watch that. I stopped that. Yeah. right there. And got like, me. My first thought was like, is this like just some terrible children's cartoon? Is the like whale Sharknado? that exploded, right? Or is yeah. it some precursor? Like yeah, sci-fi or Sharktopus or yeah, something, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so it turns out it was a uh, is a documentary oh, <laughs> about oh about a whale that exploded. Uh, yeah. So this will be uh, yeah. You you know where this story ends wow, already? Yeah. Wow. So this. This is it's it's a little bit sad because it starts the story really starts with a dead whale. I, I have to say, just again, this is you know this is not a paid plug. This was an enthralling documentary. It was a National Geographic special about an event that happened uh, in 2004. And Karen, I, I so remember. This. I think I sent you an email, like a, probably a way too excited nerdy email, because this happened in, in Taiwan. Taiwan. Yes. Uh-huh. So, like all stories about exploding whales, they're, you know, equal parts just tragedy and equal parts uh, comedy. So, what happened is there was a sperm whale, a giant sperm whale, 50 tons, over 50 feet long, that died after beaching itself in southwestern Taiwan. And the documentary, right from the beginning, really tells this story as, like, a race against time. Okay? <laughs> okay. And, and, it's super It's like 24. Right? Okay. It'll, become, it'll become clear why. Yeah. So, there was a professor. I'm glad it's not a bomb. So, very soon after they discovered the beach whale, they contacted uh, Professor Wang Chenping, who was a uh, marine specialist uh, at the university in Tainan. And mm. so they called him out to the scene, basically, what do we do? Yeah. You know, yeah, we what, what do we do next? Yeah. So he, you know, decided, all right, we got to get this thing back to my university. I want to perform a necropsy on it, see what happened to it, study it. You know, it was by far the largest specimen he How had ever encountered. <laughs> so this is, I mean, it's crazy. Like, this, so they brought out a truck and a crane, you know, at okay. first, and it was too heavy. They couldn't lift it. It, it ultimately took them three cranes and half a day to get the whale 
up and loaded onto an enormous flatbed truck. Whoa. Right. Okay. Now, so again, race against the clock here. Uh, again, we're leading up to the explosion. I'm trying to build, trying to build <laughs> right. some mystery here. Yeah. yeah I got to add in some clock ticking yeah. to I the know. segment. So he brought it back and he uh, was not actually given permission to perform the necropsy in his lab. And at oh. that point, he's like, oh my God. Well, you know, th- <gasps> the next best place he could take it was to a, 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 a nature reserve, basically, okay. that he was a affiliated with where he knew he could perform the examination there but okay. here's where you know it's one of the stories where like everything that could slow it up happened like i say first of all it took them you know over 12 hours to get him onto the truck mm-hmm. then they had to go to one place then the truck with the whale on it was waylaid overnight finally they're like all right we're gonna take this to the wildlife reserve they load it back up on the flatbed truck they're carting it away from the university so they're driving through city traffic in the morning now at this point in case you haven't maybe realize this you know dead whales like a lot of dead animals after they start to decompose a lot of gases start building up on the Uh inside and a lot of pressure starts building up on the inside Uh Uh, and this this wasn't something that they didn't know about Uh, and in fact sometimes when whales are beached they'll cut holes actually in them it's a little gruesome but to alleviate the pressure so as they're driving this 50 ton whale on the back of a giant flatbed truck through the streets of Tainan it explodes (gasps) just kaboom because the gases had built up and built up and in the heat it just reached the breaking point literally and it's they're driving through town driving through the middle of morning rush hour traffic there's not nobody was hurt i've seen photos of it and obviously the documentary it looked like just a a murder scene there was (laughs) whale guts whale blood everywhere just people showered with whale bits decomposing the stench apparently was horrible and I mean just imagine you're like walking down the sidewalk (laughs) no the one instant you're fine the next instant you're coated in whale blood and rotting whale guts you know what? That just ruined your day. The morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the scene, I mean, you can find images. It's just absolutely gruesome. The reason that this explosion kind of caught them by surprise is uh, when they looked at where it exploded, basically, it turns out that it was at a weakened point in the whale's spine. Oh, I see. They think what has happened was that the whale collided with a ship, like a large tanker oh. of some kind. And, you know, you had mentioned going back to the issue of noise pollution and sound confusion. You know, we can't ever know for sure. One theory was maybe the whale sonar got confused. You know, maybe it just wasn't in tune to the ship. And that's where the body cavity ended up exploding guts all over the streets. Wow. Now... There's a lot of podcasts out there that would say, you know what? One exploding whale, that's good enough. But no, no. I care oh. enough about you guys. Here at Good Job Thank Brain. You. Yeah, here at Good Job Brain, we go we go the extra mile. Okay. Uh, so in the course of me uh, reading up on the Taiwan exploding whale. After the after the fact, Oh, I was just yeah. a yeah, voracious appetite for more uh, details. I discovered a much more famous, uh, apparently in the world of exploding whales, uh-huh. uh, a much more famous exploding whale, which was the... The Oregon exploding whale. Now, my coworker was there. Anyway, this story is one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> and again, I do want to say it starts with a sad event, which is a whale beaching itself and dying. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. uh, in 1970, uh, off the coast of Florence, Oregon, 45 feet long, they say, and you know, for obvious reasons, you can't leave a dead whale just sitting there. Can you roll it back in the ocean? It's so heavy. It would just come oh. right back. Yeah, one, it's oh, it's okay. heavy. I mean, yeah. it's floaty. Tons. 
tons, it's just going to wash right back up. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they call the state officials out there. They're looking at it. They're like, all right, what are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, there's there's not really an established protocol for dead whale removal. It doesn't happen that frequently. Much of this story, I should say, uh, comes to us from a fantastic a piece of video archive from the local uh, news station that covered it. They couldn't cut it up, primarily because they couldn't find anybody willing to do the task. Oh, they no. couldn't find anybody who's willing to come out there and cut up a Jesus. dead yeah. whale body. Yeah. They couldn't burn it. So, so here was their decision, and this may or may not seem logical. Uh, they decided, you know, naturally, let's use some dynamite. Yeah. Oh. Let's, let's blow it up. Let's blow up the whale. This is what I thought you... <laughs> when or, I said exploding whale. Yeah, like yeah. someone put a bomb in a whale. That's pretty much what they did. Their their theory was dynamite is the best way to go. It sounds crazy, but <laughs> uh-huh. now I can I can see because they the fact that no one or there's no uh, good equipment to actually cut up the whale. Yep, or let hoist them, it. Let yeah. the explosion, you know, break up the whale yeah. in those pieces. That was their hope was we'll get the dynamite in, it'll vaporize the whale. Oh man. They're like, you know, well well there'll certainly be a lot of chunks left over, but their hope was the chunks be small enough that like seagulls and scavengers would just eat them what could possibly go wrong this this plan seems pretty foolproof (laughs) (laughs) they dug a hole under the whale they put 500 pounds of dynamite under the whale this is where uh, who was the person who had to do that then you have to like scram and sprint Well, they did set up the charge and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, got it. Luckily, we <laughs> have imagining like it blows up behind you. You dive away. Yeah. It's like an action <laughs> movie. It's like a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> yeah. right? So, luckily, we have the wonderful reporters from KATU in Oregon. We have video documentary of what happens next. <gasps> so right. they had enough time. Reporters on the scene. So they started backing people up, you know, they like onlookers, yeah. you know, get a safe distance away. Get, you know, because we're blowing up whales here. Come on, don't stand too close. Where and we going? have some great video of quiet, you see the whale in the distance, then a giant boom, just a huge boom where there used to be a whale. And you hear people cheering the video, yay! And about 10 seconds later, the cheers just turned to the sound of horror as people are fleeing a rain of decomposing whale. They used way too much dynamite. And they were more successful than they needed to be. Chunks of whale landed a quarter of a mile away from the blast site. I encourage you to go uh, look on uh, YouTube for Oregon's Exploding Whale. Uh, I can watch this again and again and again. It cracks me up. So here's a question. <laughs> is there now a dead whale removal protocol An around official the world? dead whale yeah. protocol. Oh, interesting. Huh. Even at the time when they were interviewing people, there were people saying like, the dynamite itself wasn't a bad idea, but there are people who were like, it was clear from the beginning that they're using, you know, an order of magnitude, way too much explosives. They used 20 cases of dynamite when a couple dozen sticks would have sufficed, well, it sounds like. They wanted to blow it up good. It sounds like the 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 preferred approach, if they're able to, is to cut up the carcass. Um, oh, and yeah. researchers will either research, you know, take what they can for their labs, or they'll dispose of them in small pieces. But, I mean, it's, it's a problem. You have these giant animals, and we're just not equipped to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's hard to follow that. Well, when you guys think of big, both of you thought of whales. I was like, Big Mac. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of think there's something poetic in following the exploding whale story with the story about Big Macs. It's the whale of burgers. Ah. Sure. Oh. It is quite iconic. The most popular dish at McDonald's. In the burger world, they have. probably, too. Yeah, it's served in over 120 countries. It's huge. Right. But I actually think Big Mac tastes really, really you know good. You know what? I have never, oh, ever in my life had a Big Mac. What? I, we I, need a I, I mean, I've had what? quarter pounders. I'm not like, I was not like anti-McDonald's. I've just never had a Big Mac. I, wow. It's I know. the proportion okay. of the meat patty and the amount of bread. Because mm. I like a lot of bread and bun. So the texture okay. to me is very pleasant. So it was developed in um, by one of the franchisees, one of the early people who was at McDonald's or who had set up his own McDonald's restaurant in the Pittsburgh area. Hmm. And and I'm just telling you that because it comes up a lot. And if you have trivia, Pittsburgh is the home of the Big Mac. All they right. renamed Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Big, Ma- Big Mac USA, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So anyway, it's if you read a bit about McDonald's or the Big Mac and the thing is, it's very similar to a burger that a competitor of theirs had called Big Boy, Bob's Big Boy Burgers. Ah, Bob's Big Boy, sure. And so there were, the Big Boy Burger had uh, two patties on a double cut bun with Thousand Island dressing. And, and that came first. That came first. And in fact, their mascot, you know, Bob's Big Boy, he's like a, he's kind of a fattish, you know, a chibi looking uh, statue. <laughs> and he has like a swoopy bang haircut. He has a platter with right. a hamburger on it. The hamburger on his tray looks, it looks I exactly like ever... a hamburger realize that that you're totally right he was influenced inspired by <laughs> inspired by <laughs> when they launched it they named it the aristocrat so, <laughs> whoa that's like the arch deluxe or <laughs> so fancy that's way too highfalutin it was too fancy for people so because people couldn't pronounce it or they weren't sure what that meant or whatever it's just kind of like a lot the yeah. aristocrat it doesn't yeah. tell me what's yeah. what the burger is <laughs> yeah aristocrat yeah. Was that and mean? if you say it wrong when you order it you feel embarrassed and you're just trying to get a hamburger you don't want to <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you don't want to have to prove anything to anybody. And then they were thinking about calling it the um, Blue Ribbon Burger, which is okay. Like number one. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's a little, yeah. but it's a little more, uh, yeah, folksy. It's not that sticky. And then <laughs> this 21-year-old advertising secretary in their main office named Esther Glickstein Rose was like, what about the Big Mac? And they kind of laughed and said, whatever. But it was so sticky. Like, people <laughs> people remember. They were they're like, oh, actually, Big Mac is a good name. And it took... Um, oh, it's like Mad Men. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very Mad yeah. Men moment. So that was like 1967. She was a secretary. She's 21. They didn't give her any credit for this for oh, no. like... till the 80s. And then they gave her a plaque. But she never got any money or royalties oh. or anything like that. Because she she worked for them, I guess. Right. It was, but, it was work for hire, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> You know what goes into a Big Mac, right? Only you know the jingle. the jingle. Yeah, man. What is it? That is one of the best pieces I of advertising. I've eaten many Big Macs and don't know the jingle. Huh. Two yeah, all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, lettuce cheese, pickles, pickles, onions, onions on a sesame seed bun. And they designed it to no. be kind of a tongue twister and be catchy. And it was so catchy that they had these promotions in McDonald's where if you could say it within two to three seconds, you'd get a free one. I was practicing today. <laughs> I timed it. I could get it. Is in. it hard? Uh, you just have to be confident. Yeah, there's no stumbling. You have to go. You have to go for it. You have to commit. <laughs> yeah. To all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, because I know the sesame seed bun. I bet you made it. I, I bet, bet that was good. Actually, yeah. What did yeah. you say it? Okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. Wait, hold on. I need to look this up. You need I a moment. I have no idea what it is. Okay. All right. This is the first time of me even uttering this. Okay. Right. To all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pizza, because onions on a sesame seed bun. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was good. That was good. It's probably like 3.3 seconds or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little You're slow. That's a backhanded compliment <laughs> if I ever heard one. Oh, that's pretty good, Karen. Yeah, you only failed by a little bit. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't free hamburger, guys. <laughs> Do you guys remember, and I remember, I think in the early 2000s, 
McDonald's also had a crazy Big Mac campaign where they paid rappers money (laughs) to name drop Big Mac. No, really? Yes, by radio play. Yeah, Mm. they said $5 every song, every time your song gets played on the radio that talks about Big Macs. Yeah. That seems so crass, and it yet is, I understand how product placement works. That's but. around the same time when um, rap was about making a lot of money and riding Bentleys and drinking you know, champagne and stuff. So it's like people are name-dropping all these expensive luxury things, and then it's like, Big Mac. Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one piece of trivia that I found fascinating. I don't know if it will ever help you in your life. Probably not. But one third of all the sesame seeds that are grown in Mexico go to McDonald's for the Whoa. sesame seeds. One third? Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Isn't that that's crazy? That's a right. lot. Wow. Yeah. I learned not too long ago, because it's got the three buns, and I always thought that it was a top bun, a bottom bun, and then a second bottom bun in the middle. No, it's a special middle bun. Yeah. Do you know what bun. that's called? Oh. There is a I very do. particular name. It's the club layer, and, and it helps. It's to stabilize it with all the sauce and oh, all the so other stuff. Oh, so it won't like slide yeah. off. <laughs> it's a load bearing bun. <laughs> it's a load bearing bun. <laughs> yes. That's why I stuck in my layer. brain was just in case it ever came up at pub quiz. Top bun, club layer, bun. club slice. Yeah, bottom yeah. bun. Yeah, it's mezzanine. <laughs> <laughs> the mezzanine that bun. Makes, that makes yeah. sense. We started off with a big man ended with a big Mac. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Not right. bad. With a lot of whales in between. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whale sandwich. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. So I have a final quiz segment for you guys. You know what? I was so fascinated by our last week's episode. Colin, you talked about backmasking, about hidden secret messages or... Not. Not. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Playing music backwards. And that got me thinking. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. In the last episode, I did ask a question, kind of just like I threw it out there asking, are there any words or phrases that are auditory palindromes Mm. where it's not that they're spelled the same way you know forwards and backwards it's that when you say it it sounds the same forward and backwards right right i think on the spot we got as far as poop yeah which didn't which totally (laughs) wasn't i i found some oh cool great so each one of you guys including me have a piece of paper with a weird phrase on it i want you to say it normally and I'm going to play it backwards to see if it really does oh, work. Oh, okay, okay. okay. All right. Well, Dana, since you're a fan of Twilight. <laughs> oh, thanks for calling me out. I gave you the phrase. New moon. Okay. Let's play it backwards to see if it actually oh. works. Whoa, no. That's where the devil <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. I'm a little scared right now. That's but a beautiful language. Yeah. Try it again. Kind of. New moon. <laughs> I like fake backwards. I kept doing that the last episode. I'm like, it's surprisingly uh, easy to do. And then, Colin, I gave you a phrase ominous cinema. All right, let's play it backwards. Okay. Ominous cinema. Whoa! 
was scary. That was really close. That was yeah. close. All right, and I have work crew. Okay. Here it is backwards. Work crew. Oh, Whoa. oh no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ominous Cinema is the winner. I wonder yeah. if it's because it was longer, maybe? Like, both of your guys were two syllables? Where did you find those? Or so I was just scouring the internet looking for good ones. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, anyways, so my music round, uh, prepare yourself. I pick some of oh, no. the biggest hits <laughs> uh-huh. from oldies to even hits today. Okay. okay. Big hits, and I've reversed it. Oh. So okay. I'm going to play it backwards, and I want you guys to guess what song. Oh, Buzz fun. in okay. and All tell right. me who is the artist and what song. Here are some tips that I've learned okay. while I was editing. The tone of the artist kind of remains the same. Okay. So that's a good clue if you can figure out the voice, even uh, though okay. it's they're speaking backwards gibberish. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is like the bass line or the drum oh, line sounds kind of familiar because they're always in repetition. Right, so right. you can get a feel of it. So those are okay. my two okay. tips. Cool. And, well, okay. we'll see. We'll see how, how this goes. All right. Here we go. Number one. <laughs> Dana. Oh, it's Carly Rae Jepsen, Call Me Maybe? Yes, yeah. Call Me Maybe. You can yeah. kind of hear yeah, it. Yeah, that was really weird. Totally. Just the, the, as yeah. you said, it was like it was the beat and the quality of her voice. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two. Yeah. Queen and David Bowie under pressure. Yes. yes. That's great. Yeah. Especially the end there. Wow. wow. Man, you, Freddie Mercury, good. forward, backward. Yeah. That guy can sing. It's good. Yeah. yeah. All right, number three. <laughs> That little ending is uh, definitely the trick. Oh, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch? Yes. Or I, I Can't Help Myself? Yeah. Oh, I Can't Help. Uh, by... I always is it forget. The temptations? It's, a, not it's not the, the temptations. Tempt- you're not tempted by the sugar. <laughs> I, but you Four are... Four tops? Yeah. Four tops. Yeah. All right. Next one. Dana Journey Don't Stop Believing. Yes yeah. And they must have had An auditory palindrome in there Because the on and on oh, part yeah. Yep absolutely yeah. On and on It sounded on just on. like Forward. It did yeah. Alright next one Oh my god Oh, I'm sorry, like, yeah. Singing in French. Data. That was gin and juice. Yes. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> wow. That's good. That was like French Snoop. I mean, I really like that. I like that a lot. Music yeah. backwards is good. Next one. <laughs> 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 
Dana. It's Robin Thicke, Blurred Lines. Oh, yes. I, I was like, oh, who sings it? I, Very good. Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. And lastly, we have a classic here. Uh-oh. <laughs> Oh, it almost sounds Thai. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you said um, it was a classic. I'm not. There, there are two singers yeah. in this yeah. song. Yeah. I heard that it was not a male and female. Take Is a guess. Ain't No Mountain. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Ain't No Mountain by. It's uh, Diana Ross. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. And, oh, man. It wasn't Marvin Gaye, was it? It okay. was Marvin Gaye. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Very good. Well, that was very fun. I that thought was cool. very fun that was to put fun. together. That was fun. Good job. And now we know there are auditory palindromes. You just have to yeah. try them out. But ominous cinema. On and on and on and on. On and on and on and on. So there you go. That is our show. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learn a lot about whales. Man, we really <laughs> covered talk, the whales. We yeah. talked about whales a lot. <laughs> Um, um, how they sing and how to how to explode them how, when they, how they how or yeah. not to explode them. <laughs> uh, the Big Mac. We also talked about space raspberries and uh, and definitely some some cool palindrome stuff. Palindromes are always super interesting. I'm to gonna me. go research what, more of those yeah, uh, auditory palindromes. That's so yeah. fascinating. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, GoodJobBrain.com. And join us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we we talk about pub trivia yeah. a lot. We share <laughs> some links. I, the the other day, I found like a picture of a some dude invented a carriage, like you know, like a horse drawn uh-huh. carriage, but it's not a horse. It's for an ostrich. Huh. <laughs> Sure. sure. There's, there's hey, a picture of it. Hey, you have ostriches. Use, what you, have, use yeah. what you have around. I mean, it's so weird. Isn't it laziness is the mother of invention or yeah, whatever? True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do uh-huh. you do with all these ostriches? I know. <laughs> and I'm so tired of walking. <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be a better way. <laughs> and so we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.